G'day, folks. Welcome to the Rugby League Week podcast, joined by Shane Bugden and Rocco Luca. Boys, let's go through. We've got a massive agenda. There's no uh, NRL anymore, but it just never stops in rugby league. Benji Marshall to the Broncos. That's a massive call there by uh, Wayne Bennett to throw him a lifeline. We'll have a look at the Kiwis from last week, just how bad they were. The new-look Kangaroos on fire. Shannon Boyd, Valentine Holmes, Tyson Frizzell will run through uh, that team as well. James Graham, big story in Rugby League week that he's uh, going to lose the Bulldogs' captaincy for next year. He's too much of a hothead, so we'll have a look at James Graham. Desi Hasler as well survives the the big board meeting and what lies ahead for him next year. And uh, Andrew Fafita, the latest update on uh, Big Andrew. Boys, let's kick it off, though, with uh, Benji Marshall. Look, uh, a lifeline, it would seem, from Brisbane. I think he's actually going to earn less than that first initial contract than uh, the Dragons offered him that he knocked back. Is this a good move uh, by Brisbane, or has uh, Wayne finally lost it? Uh, I don't know if he's lost it, but for me, this doesn't make any sense for the Broncos. Um, look, he'll be there as, as, a, as backup, as depth, I guess, for, for Ben Hunt and Anthony Milford, who have not missed a game in two years. So I don't know what Benji's hoping for there. Maybe a, a utility spot on the bench, but, I mean, they've got Cody Nicarima there for that, and I think he's done a pretty good job there. So... Is he going to play for Redcliffe or like in the Queensland Cup? Benji what a, Marshall, eh? What, what a way uh, to end his career. Yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, uh, that's, that's what I'm stunned by is that w- what was on offer for him in Super League. He would have basically been the face of that competition if he took up the offer with either Catalan or uh, St. Helens. And, you know, how, how many great players have we seen have, you know, dropped off a little bit in their form in Australia and gone over there and absolutely carved and, more importantly, made an incredible name and following for themselves over there. People from, you know, Mal Meninga to Graham Eady, you call these blokes up and ask them about their time over there, then they've got nothing but fond memories. Jamie Lyon. Jamie and Lyon. And then came back again. So came look, back again, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe could have gone to Catalans and been coached by Greg Bird. That would have been uh, <laughs> interesting. Look, I, I, it really is a bizarre decision to me. We also saw Dave Taylor's name come up this week with Canberra, but that's really just have a trial and see how he goes in the next couple of months. But... Benji Marshall, to all intents and purposes, a done deal. It really is hard to see how much game time he gets there, where he fits into that team. As you said, Rocco, those two halves, as much as Ben Hunt struggled this year, have not missed a game in two years. I think we all expect Ben Hunt to hit back where Benji fits in. Look, good luck to him. He's found he's found a lifeline. He wanted to stay in the NRL. He was desperate to hang around. So uh, it'd be intriguing to see how it all plays yeah, out. Look, I like the fact that he's going to back himself there and... Even though he'll go there behind those two halves, I mean, he must fancy himself trying to break in somewhere, but I just don't see how. If there was a club where you're going to try and break into, it's not going to be that Broncos yeah. side. And I mean, the last time he, he, he did something unexpected and backed himself was with the Blues, and yeah. we all know how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose the other element of this is those two halves might not have missed a game in two years, but, um, you know, should something happen with the origin, you know, Milford would have to be a good chance to sort of take in the same sort of spot that Michael Morgan has held down in that team. If um if Morgan's form doesn't you know live up to expectations, so I suppose if there's one slight chance of Benji getting a bit of a start there, it might revolve around that. Yeah, so Milford will obviously be back eligible for Origin next year after his ban. So uh, look, Benji could come in and, and lose Brisbane a couple of games during the Origin period, throw a few <laughs> balls over the sideline. Good luck, Benji, up there if that's uh, if that's how it plays out. Now, we spoke about him, uh, what could have been offering England, boys, talking about England, the World Club Challenge, World Club Championship. It's hit a bit of a snag or a big snag with uh, Melbourne Storm saying they don't want to play over there. It didn't work out for them time-wise. Copped a bit of criticism. A few other Australian teams said they wouldn't go either. For me, honestly, I don't think it's the Storm's job to prop up international football. This thing worked when it was the Premiers, which would be Sharks and Wigan, 
one game, huge bragging rights, always been a good game. In, let's have it in England one year, in Australia the next year. Whoever came up with this idea to send two, three, four sides into it, it's just purely chasing money, having more games. It was a pretty ordinary spectacle last year anyway, as I recall. So I can't say I blame Melbourne at all for uh, pulling the plug no, on this thing. No, not at all. Um it's been happening in the last two seasons now, and the record is so three game, three teams, three games uh, each year, and it's six and zero to the NRL. So they're going there and they're lapping teams. So it's not even a proper trial. You're going over there, you're interrupting your preseason, bit of cash, bit of an experience. But why would you do it? And we all know the start to the NRL season is so important. It's vital to set up your season. So it makes no sense at all. So keep it with the keep it with the premiers from the two sides. Um, leave it at that. I don't think. I think I find it crazy why teams will do it. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Just have it as you know, premiers versus premiers. Scrub the other two games. I don't blame any side that uh, that wants to pull out of being involved in this, even though there's four hundred thousand dollars at stoke, and that shows you, you know, how, how little they think of it. That there is a decent person offer here, and still no interest. I think the Dragons might have, you know, put their hands up a little bit for this, but you know, it's it's those other two games are nowhere near. Well, how the low best down are we going to go? The Dragons. Exactly. I mean, we're how far yeah. down? Newcastle will probably take the four hundred grand. Newcastle, but I mean, what, what's the point of them going over there and playing? It's just it's lost the relevance of being the premiers against the premiers, which, as I said, was always a good contest. As Rocco pointed out, it's all lopsided. It's like Super League '97 when uh, every Super League team lost in their World Club Challenge. They were zero and four, zero and five, and yet they still had to let England teams make the the finals. It was ridiculous. There was Australian teams didn't lose a game. And England team still made the final. So, look, as I said, no blame there on the Melbourne Storm. They've got their international players playing four nations. They'll get very little break, those guys. So to turn around and expect them to play in the World Club Challenge, I don't think it was ever going to happen. So, look, I think the Storm have made the uh, the right decision there, boys. Speaking of the four nations, we had a big warm-up in Perth last weekend. Sensational crowd over there. Pretty good game, really, I think, certainly from Australia's point of view with a new-look side. All three of their debutants played themselves sensational. Shannon Boyd, Tyson Frizzell and uh, Valentine Holmes on his wrong wing scored a try, as Sam Thayday said to me the other day. A bit worried when uh, Holmes was going for the corner. He had the ball in the wrong hand because he'd be so used to being on the other side of the field. Still scored the try. Those three guys were fantastic. On the flip side, look, how bad were New Zealand? We spoke about their halves being their biggest issue. Where do they go into this tournament now after really what was a very disappointing performance? They were manhandled in the forwards and their halves were a big problem for them. Yeah, look, I just I want to compliment Australia and Meninga for getting the way he prepared that side and, and the debutants. What a great sign it is leading into a World Cup year next year. Um, they were criticised at the start of the year in leading to the Anzac Test for having an older side, but now he's brought in these younger players and look at the way they've responded. So great signs for Australia there. But uh, on the flip side... The Kiwis, look, it, it rests in the halves. Look, they they matched up with the with the Kangaroos in all other areas up front on paper. I'm saying on up front and and in the, with the outside backs, but the halves were always the question mark. They didn't stand up, and as a result, yeah, I think everything fell apart for them. So back to the drawing board. I don't think it's dire as everyone's sort of been talking about this week, but maybe bring in Tamari Martin, give a bit of X factor because they needed it. Yeah, they they do have to um, make some sort of effort there because yeah, the, the last tackle options were woeful. And while you know it is correct to say that their four pack did get manhandled, we haven't seen anywhere near the best out of them because they were woefully managed. I mean, Jared 
Raya Hargraves had four hit-ups all game, made 20-something metres. And then you've got Tao Malolo, who didn't play the first 26 minutes of the second half because they basically forgot he was there. I mean, he's a standout player on form in the world. How do you forget that you've got him there? So I think especially in the forwards, there's room for a lot of improvement. But, you know, they targeted Val Holmes with their kicking because, you know, he's a short bloke. He passed that with flying colours. But... I was sitting there watching it thinking, you know, kick at Ferguson, his hands are suspect, which brings us to the next point, which is how is Ferguson in that team? If Mal Meninga, as he's been quoted in the in the media today, is saying that that was his test side, that's a you know, that's what he wants to, you know, have a crack at uh with the, in the four nations. How is how is Ferguson still on that wing when Mansell was out? I know he couldn't play that game because he was getting married, but surely to God, you know, you make that switch at the very least. I think so, absolutely. I mean Australia on the right hand side with Ferguson and Dugan had nothing, ran themselves into touch a couple of times. For me it's an easy one. I mean you put Valentine Holmes back on the right wing, which is his natural spot anyway, and Josh Mansell comes in, freshly married, straight onto your left wing. Happy days for Australia. That would be the way I'd be going. I know Meninga said that was pretty much his test side. Shannon Boyd, fantastic. He, he certainly keeps his spot. Frizzell, they were very strong, as we expect them to be. But for me, those wing positions, Valentine Holmes would be very stiff to go out of the side. So you'd assume he stays there. I just think Ferguson, for me, is, is out of the team. He's not yeah, going well enough. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a question there. I don't think he stood up for the Blues uh, in the Origin Series, um, and now he's been given a shot at the test side, and I don't think he really staked his claim. So, yeah, I think that's an easy one for Mal. Mansour comes straight in, shift Val over to the other side. And um, look, but on another note, are England going to be the ones to challenge Australia? If that was sort of the the best the Kiwis could throw at him, what does it say for this tournament? Are England going to be that shining light? Well, I don't think under Wayne Bennett that you're going to find the same sort of man mismanagement as you had with the Kiwis, what I was alluding to with Taumalolo, etc. And I think in terms of their structure, if, if they're able to adapt quickly enough to what Wayne wants them to do, they'll, they'll be a more organised side, especially when it comes to the last tackle option. So in terms of like possession and field uh, position, they'll probably have it over what the Kiwis were able to produce in that game if, if, if it all comes together for them, yeah. I know the Aussies are very wary of Wayne Bennett. They feel like there was a few mind games there. We spoke quite regularly about the plastic palms and who he might pick. The Aussies think that was all a bit of a smoke screen. He was always going with the local players. And obviously a few NRL guys like the Burgess times three. But I think they're very wary of what Wayne can do with that side. They expect him to be defensively very, very strong, well-structured. Whether he's had enough time to, to get the best out of him for this tournament, we will see, but I really think they uh, they shape up, shape up playing at home under the super coach as uh, as a very dangerous opponent. Now, looking at England, uh, Burgess Sam Burgess will be the captain, which is interesting. He's not the captain of South Sydney, obviously a good leader of men. James Graham. Now, look, rugby league week this week's got the uh, exclusive story that he's in danger. It would seem of losing the Bulldogs captaincy. He's a hothead. Uh, the C next to his name certainly doesn't stand for composure. That's for sure. He uh, he can lose it at times. And Wayne Bennett hasn't made him captain. He's going with Sam Burgess. What do we think about this call with uh, if this is the way that the uh, the Bulldogs go and take the captaincy? It might be a good thing for him. Just play your game, James, and stop worrying about the referees and decisions. Yeah, you saw that a little bit in his game that last uh, that last regular season game they had against South, where he and he and Sam got involved in a bit of a running battle across the field, and James did some stuff that. You know, it's just silly, really, you know, uh, on the eve of the finals to put yourself in a position where you could have been sided for a thing or two that was just completely unnecessary. Um, you know, and that does sort of go to show that, 
you know, if you didn't have to worry about the, uh, you know, the extra responsibility of leading everyone around, then maybe it would benefit him and that maybe, you know, he, he did reform himself to a large degree after the huge, you know, furor over what happened in the Good Friday game with South uh, last year. So he's obviously moved on a bit from there. But, you know, when you see stuff like that in his game, yeah, I think, that, you know, when you have, and also when you have blokes like real solid fellas like Aidan Tolman who could probably step into the role, they do have other good Josh options Jackson. there for the, yeah, Josh Jackson, who's, you know, in, in some quarters been mentioned as a, you know, a bit of a leader amongst the New South Wales origin team. Um, they do have good options to go to. So, you know, I think if that's the way that they did decide to go, it might, might benefit everyone. On the, on the England side of things, Burgess is the, the best player in that side. But, I mean, he left our game a little over 12 months yep. ago. And, I mean, what, what does that say? And now he's just been installed again as captain. I, I, I don't like that. And if I'm an Englishman, I'm an English fan, I think, look, I feel a little bit, Still pissed off, so uh, you got to have him there in the squad. But to give him the captaincy, to captain the country, I, I don't like that. And I don't think James Graham is the best leader at times. He leads with by by his actions and sometimes goes overboard. Um, so if he wasn't the choice, I could live with that. But don't give it to Sam Burgess because I, I think leaving the game the way he did, uh, I don't think fans would have fully forgiven him. Um, so yeah, have him there because he's the best player. But I don't, I don't like the fact that he's been given the captaincy. Yeah, 12 months ago, he was running around in a Rugby World Cup like a chook with a head cut off. It's got to be said. He was all over the shop in rugby. But, yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, reaction the English people have got to that. At the end of the day, I think most, most players say the captaincy doesn't have a huge amount to do with it. Cameron Smith, great uh, manager of the game. It'd be interesting to see how he uh, he goes trying to uh, control referees over there. The, the international game with one referee, it's got to be said, uh, the test match in Perth with Matt Checken was absolutely sensational, boys. One ref only. Mate, his calls were good. There was guys dropping the ball in the play, the ball trying to milk it by putting it over onto the tackler's foot. Michael Morgan didn't get away with it, one of the Kiwi guys. I thought he did a sensational job. We don't have the second guessing of the guy in the pocket referee. This is something to really look forward to in the Four Nations, the uh, the one referee only. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and hopefully something that, you know, people are going to take notice of. We were running the game down here and, you know, maybe have a bit of a closer look at, you know, looking at trialling, you know, a switch back to that because I thought, you know, outside of the grand final, that's probably the best ref game I've seen in a long time in the in the comp down here. So, um, yeah, completely agree with uh, with the calls made there and especially the, the, the milking and, and putting a bit of the onus back on the ball carrier to, to you know, have responsibility for, for owning the ball. Yeah, it's been going on for too long, hasn't it, that we just uh, we allow blokes to have loose carry, muck around in the play of the ball. And it's so frustrating in the NRL how many times they get away with it and teams just piggyback out of trouble when really they've dropped the ball and should be under pressure. So I think, as I said, Matt Checken did a great job. The one referee works. Looks something to look forward to. Boys, just on uh, on the Bulldogs, obviously speaking about James Graham and the captaincy there, last time we spoke, we were all uh, waiting with bated breath to see about Des Hasler, whether he would survive the big, uh, the big board meeting. His man, Ray Dibb, came back from overseas. Obviously, he wanted Steve Mortimer. What Ray wants, Ray gets. Uh, sorry, he wanted uh, Des Hasler, I beg your pardon. I've got Steve Mortimer on my mind because he is no longer there. He fell on his sword after all those comments that we spoke about. How does this all play out for Des Hasler, though, in uh, 2017? It's not exactly been the biggest vote of confidence for Des going forward. No, I don't think he, he gained any measure of real job security out of what happened, other than, you know, he wasn't 
dismissed immediately. I don't think in terms of his long-term future at the club that it looks all that much secure than what it was prior to the meeting as far as I can tell. It's just a mess. I mean, last week you had Mortimer, board member, a club great coming out and saying he's got to go. He's not in touch with the DNA of the club and if he doesn't go, I'll, I'll fall on my sword. Like, it's just an absolute mess and they had the meeting, he resigns after. Like, the club's in an absolute mess at the moment. I don't know how his position is going to be tenable um, after this year. He's out of contract and... Dragons in 2018, according to uh, people in the know in Rugby League Week. That could be where he goes. Paul McGregor can spend all of 2017 looking over his shoulder, which I think Paul McGregor knows anyway that he's under pressure the way they've performed. But uh, there could be some high-level talks going on with Des Hasler there looking towards 2018 by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's where that's where all the whispers are, that it's possibly even a done deal as we speak. So... What does that mean? What is, how does McGregor go on about this year? So how does he go on knowing, oh, I'm not going to be here next year? I don't know what that what creates, what sort of that setting creates at the Dragons this year. And I don't know what happens at the Dogs from here on in. So look out for that going, yeah. going into next year. I think it makes those two clubs among, if not the most interesting clubs to watch in the, in the off-season, just in terms of, you know, there's a huge question mark over who's in the seven jumper down at the Dragons. And more importantly for both clubs, there's a huge question mark over the style of football that they play and how much how many points they got in them and if they're being coached, you know, correctly uh, to, to be able to compete at the highest level. So, and on top of this, you know, Noel Cleal no longer at the Bulldogs, you know, the, the guru of the recruitment for them for so long. So... There's, there's just so many question marks hovering over both these clubs from the coach all the way down through just about every level we, of the we, operation. We haven't seen it for a few years where a coach has agreed to join another club a year in advance. Uh, it happened a few times way back, but um, we haven't seen it in the last few years because it just creates a bit of a mess. I remember when Bennett had agreed to join the Knights, he was still coaching the Dragons. He was making midweek trips up yep. to, to Newcastle and it just derailed the Dragon season who were look, going back to looking to, to defend their premiership that year. So, look, if this is the case, uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. Mm. It's, it's. I mean, my gut feeling is that they, they both have to change. I think there's so much pressure at the club that you'll definitely see a change in the playing style from both outfits. And uh, and if, you know, they have to at least attempt it. If it doesn't work, fair enough. But there's just so much uh, impetus behind this, not just from the fans, but also, you know, from at least the, the Bulldogs board, if not the Dragons board, who've made that, you know, sort of half-hearted, you know, we're onto it, don't worry about it. We've got a new football committee kind of thing happening over there. But, yeah, it, it's got to change. has to. Speaking of interesting uh, stories and people under pressure early next year, boys, uh, the Andrew Fafita update is just the... The gift that keeps on giving for uh, rugby league journalists at this time of year, the big fella. Now, uh, Newcastle Knights over to England to play with his brother, Rugby Union. Fill us in. Give us the latest. What's uh, what's big? Or staying at Cronulla and trying to go back to back with the Sharks. What's the uh, what's the latest update on uh, on Andrew Fafita? Yeah, look, I, I think it'll be a big shock to everyone at the Sharks and and everyone in the NRL to see him not play in blue, white, and black next year. Uh, he has no dramas with the Sharks. His beef was completely with the NRL. The mole tells me that he does still want to play footy with his brother at some stage in his career um, going forward, but it's not at this stage. He's in the prime of his career. He's not going to go to Newcastle. He's not going to head to England. He'll fulfill his contract at the Sharks. But you could see Dave Fafita uh, in Newcastle colours. If not, he'll stay at Wakefield and sign a new deal. 
Yeah, and you know the thing that's hanging away over all of this is I think we've mentioned in the last three podcasts is when we're going to get a determination from the integrity unit. I know part of this, you know, what they find is dependent on what you know the police are doing about it. But I mean, seriously, how long is this going to drag on for? Are we still going to be talking about this in the new year? It's, they might be it's on getting leave, mate. beyond might, ridiculous. Yeah, they might be on leave down there at the integrity unit. You're right; it's ridiculous. It's just a blight on the game that this guy is still waiting to find out some kind of detail detail about what he's done, what penalty he's going to pay. As we've said before, they move very quickly on Mitchell Pearce way back at the start of the year, even on Corey Norman. Andrew Fafita got to play in a grand final, win a premiership, and still we wait. It's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what on earth is going on down there, but I agree. I think Cronulla's the place for him. He's had great support there. They've had their arm around him for a couple of years and, and nurtured him, and he's just become a fantastic player, won them a grand final. We all know how hard it is to go back-to-back back and whether they're going to do it or not. They're certainly not going to do it without yeah, Andrew Fafita. The thing is, any ban or suspension they impose on him now is going to be just a waste. He's won the Sharks a, a premiership. They made him premiership. Like he, he almost single-handedly won him that game. So whatever they impose, I don't know, give him a four-week suspension to start next season, like... What a joke that's going to be. Yeah, it won't be a waste from the NRL's point of view because <laughs> if they had done it before the grand final, imagine the amount of criticism that they would have had to weather. Yeah. Um, so from, from their point of view, definitely not a waste. But in terms of making a statement about, you know, if you do the wrong thing, you get the chop straight up, then, yeah, definitely massive missed opportunity. But they just sat on their hands. This was the point. They were too scared to put the bloke out of a grand final, so they didn't do it. The next thing was, oh, let's just tell someone he can't win the Churchill medal. Maybe that's a little you know, slap over the wrist for him, which still maintain he should have won that. So they sat around, didn't act. He gets to win a premiership, as Rocco says. But if he misses two, three, four weeks at the start of next year, mate, I don't think it's really going to matter to Cronulla. He's had his, he's had his opportunity, won them a premiership. Boys, just back to Mel Meninga, and we're talking about what a great job he's done with that side and, and the passion he's put in that side. You know, the stories from the Australian team about the special patches on their jerseys for how many test matches you've played. It's a great idea. He's really just getting that sense of important. And this, this was goes back to Fafita about why he's not there, one of the reasons about how much the players should treasure this jersey and an honour and a privilege that it is. Now, a very interesting... Uh, Yarn from uh, Rugby League Week's own Steve Mascord, mind you, writing for the uh, Sydney Morning Herald, I must say, and doing a fantastic job over there in England about uh, about Mal saying that uh, this little set two with uh, Wayne Bennett and Wayne Bennett just wants his job, uh, Shane, is that, yeah. was that the story? Yeah, that, you know, he's basically come out and got off the plane over there and said, you know, this guy's out to usurp me, he wants my position. And, you know, Wayne probably would have liked to do that job if it wasn't, you know, made a full-time position, which he was completely against. He said that the national team doesn't warrant having a, a full-time coach. Um, and so Mal's come out and just drop this bit of a bombshell. So you say he's doing a great job, you know, managing the side. He's also doing a great job of promoting the Four Nations because some of these little tussles, you know, you get sick of guys just saying nice things about each other all the time. I don't think there's any great rift between the pair. But, you know, it is nice to see, you know, the top man come out and add a little bit of spice to everything. It's it's been a long time coming and there should be more of it. I was going to say, absolutely, boys. Fantastic promotion. At the end of the day, I don't think there is any problem between those two blokes. Mowley's doing a job that, let's be honest, a lot of NRL coaches don't do. They don't want to promote the game. They go into hiding. They're hopeless at building up matches and realising that fans want to get involved. They want a little bit of theatre. They don't want their players speaking. They're too afraid of their players saying anything about opponents. It's droll. It gets boring. They don't promote it. So good on Mal 
for getting out there and having a crack. If he wants to build up any sort of animosity with Wayne Bennett, go for it. They'll struggle to have animosity with David Kidwell, too nice a bloke probably, but he might fire up if the Kiwis uh, don't start performing. So I think it, I think it's brilliant for Meninga what he's done with his Australian team and also just to uh, add a little bit of spice to the tournament, Rocco. Yeah, absolutely. And look, just on Meninga, I think he's done a... He's, so far, he's passed every test with flying colours and still early stages. He copped a lot of criticism when he was in charge of the Maroons, saying, oh, he's a back figure, he's not the, the front-on man. Michael Hagen was there. But um, I think this is his chance to really um, set the record straight. Um, the Kangaroos were in a bit of a lull before he took over, so I think... If he comes ahead and wins his four nations comfortably, I think he sort of goes a long way to restoring and putting those rumours to bed. But also I want to say, Wayne Bennett, if he does something with the, with the England side, uh, we saw him do it in the 2008 World Cup with the Kiwis, done everything at club level. Uh, is this sort of the final frontier? Because, I mean, we know the old enemies never really... Well, they haven't done much in a long time on the international front. No, I mean that that'd be the cherry on top of a, what's already been an incredible career. If you if you can do that with you know a side that historically just underperforms to such a degree, if you if you can drag them out of the doldrums, yeah, that 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 is befitting of the of the uh, the moniker, the master coach for sure. Yeah, look, they, I think they've done exactly the right thing. Getting Wayne Bennett involved, it adds so much spice, so much interest to this tournament. It's going to be great. We've had to live without the NRL for a few weeks. All set to go in about uh, ten days' time, boys. In the in the four nations, should be a fantastic tournament. Even Scotland, they might rip in. They got a few NRL boys in there. Going to be great to watch, boys. Looking forward to it. That'll see us out for this week. Thanks everybody for listening to uh, RLW again. Listener.